Well, good morning, church. How are we? I'm glad that you're with us this morning. We are entering Holy Week. And so for us, that means that we reflect this week in a special way on Christ's passion. And then we get together next week to celebrate Jesus' resurrection. And so for us this week, what that looks like is we actually will gather this next Thursday for Maundy Thursday. And we have foot washing at 6 p.m. in our fellowship hall. And then we're in this space at 6.30 p.m. And we've got a service that is reflective and quiet. We just give you space to think and meditate on the scriptures around Christ's death. And then we celebrate communion together. And so that's Thursday. Then Friday, there is a community Good Friday service. That's up at Pleasant View. Our, our own pastor, Bill Malone, is going to help to lead that service. And then next Sunday, we're back here at 9 a.m. and 10.30 to together celebrate the resurrection of our Jesus. This morning, we are continuing on with our series that we are calling Sharing Jesus, a series that is all about evangelism. And evangelism literally means announcing the good news. And so this series has been all about what does it look like for us to tangibly, concretely incorporate our sharing Jesus in a very real way into our regular, ordinary, everyday lives. Because the thing is, if you are a follower of Christ, this is your call. This is your mandate. And so that's why we are in this series to explore what our sharing Jesus looks like actually in our lives. And so last week we left off with this flow watch, listen, and share. And I pushed you with some questions Will you watch for opportunities? A number of weeks ago, as we were looking at Jesus in the Gospels, and we, we saw that Jesus, as he is bringing the good news, Jesus will always get messy. At the end of that service, we created space and silence for you to go to God to say, God, where would you have me get messy? And then last week, we pushed on that some more, and we said, what if that's not just a prayer that we prayed once and done, but what would it look like for us to continually pray that prayer, to continually watch for opportunities? Praying, God, where would you have me get messy today? God, where would you have me get messy right now? And we're continually praying that as we go throughout our days, to school, to our job, as we're hanging with our families, as, as we are, are in conversation with our neighbors, as we're sitting with other parents at our kids' game, as we're going to the grocery store. God, where would you have me get messy right now? We ask the question, will you listen deeply? And as you listen, you are listening for the hurt and the pain, the pinch point, the bad news in that person's life that God has, has placed into your life. 
That bad news that is desperately seeking the good news, a good news that will only ultimately be found in Jesus. And so you are listening for their hurt and their pain. You're listening for their questions and their doubts and their struggles and the fear and the sin in the life of that person that God has placed into your life. And as you listen, you are praying, God, help me, God, show me. Is there a story from Scripture? Is there an episode from my life, something that he's taught you that could be of help to that person to show them the new life and the truth that is found in Jesus? And then lastly, will you share? And we'll only ever be able to do any of this if we make ourselves available. That's very much, I'm saying that very much on purpose. Will we make ourselves available? Will we take time for the people that God places into our lives? And I've tried to really push us on these questions. Because we can sit here and we can talk a good game this morning, but will we actually do this? Will we actually share Jesus in our everyday, normal, regular lives? This series was supposed to end last week. Here we are today, and it was supposed to end today, and I'm not done with you yet. I've got more like I feel that God is calling me to share that I need to share. And so we will be in this series at least for one more week as we come back after Easter on April 23rd. And so this flow, watch and listen and share. This morning we're going to continue to explore this idea of what our sharing looks like. When my family and I were missionaries in Uruguay, our joke was that we had available to us the two most powerful tools when it came to sharing Jesus. And those two powerful tools were a puppy and a baby. So no matter when we went out, if we had the puppy or if we had the baby or if we had both look out, people would always come up to us and want to talk and they would say, ¿Cómo se llama el perito? Which, what's the dog's name? Or ¿Cómo se llama el bebé? Right? What's the name of the baby? And of course, we would say, honey, name the dog. Luke, name of the baby. Those were not Spanish names. And so that quickly got into a, so you're from where? The U.S., why are you here? Working out of a seminary, trying to plant churches. And we would find ourselves every time we went out the door, really in this conversation about faith. If we made ourselves available. So at this point, you're probably thinking, Brian, where are you going with this? I thought we're exploring this idea of share. I do not have a puppy. I do not have a baby. So let me give you what I think are truly the two most powerful tools available to you when you are sharing Jesus. And if you are a follower of Christ, you do have these tools available to you. It's the power of story, and it's the power of praying with that person that God puts into your life. So let's start with the power of story. If you are a follower of Christ, you have a story 
of how you first experienced God's grace and love and mercy and forgiveness. And so oftentimes in traditional evangelism, this is the story that we are coached to tell. The story of how how we first met Jesus, or more accurately, how Jesus first found us. And that's good, but you have to realize that you do not have just one story. If you see this rightly, you literally have hundreds of stories to tell. So think of it this way. I'm going to borrow an illustration that comes out of the book, Get Real. So uh, imagine this, 50th anniversary party. You've been invited. And the couple's there, and their, their friends are there, and, and their family is there. And, and you are having a great time. And somewhere along the, the flow of that evening, towards the end of the evening, someone starts banging on a glass and yelling speech, and the couple stands up. And they start to tell their story. This is how we first met. The guy says, I saw her from across the room. She didn't even realize that I existed. And so I kind of stalked her for a little bit. And eventually she realized who I was. And so we, we went out. We went on some, some, some great dates. We really got to know each other. And after a while, we realized that we were meant to spend the rest of our lives together. And then we got engaged, and it was super romantic. We were on the beach, and the waves were crashing, and the sun was setting, and there was a rainbow in the sky. And she said yes. Then a year later, we got married. And then the couple sits down. That's all that they share. If you're there, what are you thinking? What about the rest of the story? That's just the beginning, but then what? What has happened over the last 50 years? What have been the ups and the downs and the joys and the sorrows and the highs and the lows? Tell us about your kids and your grandkids and the places that you've lived and the vacations that you've gone on and and your jobs and how through all of that your love has grown. Yet in traditional evangelism, if we're just telling the story of how you came to Christ, we are doing exactly that. But then what? That's just the beginning. What has Christ been doing in your life? What has been happening in your life over the years, maybe if you're a new believer, over the months as you've been in relationship with him, what have been the ups and the downs and the joys and the challenges? How has your love grown? And so if you realize that really every part of your story, every episode of your story becomes a story in and of itself, you literally have hundreds of stories of God's grace and mercy and love and forgiveness in your life. And while as you share with that person who is unpacking their bad news, right, you'll never be able to experience exactly what they are experiencing in their story. As you share your story, a story that shows how you have experienced exactly the thing that they need to experience, and that is new life in Jesus. And that is incredibly powerful. 
And what you are doing is you are bringing to life the truth of Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, where Paul writes this. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work. Will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So really, as you share your stories, the many episodes, the many parts of your story, how God has been continuing to work, that's the thing that you're sharing, how God has been continuing to work throughout every part of your life. And I want to push on this a little bit because I think so often we feel like our stories, the stories that we would share with someone who was searching for Jesus Those have to be stories of awesome. Those have to be stories that have happy endings. Those have to be the stories where everything is okay. But I would argue with with you strongly that God wants to use our stories, even if they are full of ugly, even if they are full of questions, even if they are full of challenges. Because ugly questions, challenges, that is the context that we see in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. So, so in this verse, Paul has just opened up his letter to the church at Philippi and has said essentially in the preceding verses, man, I love you guys. And the reason for his affection is because these Philippians have been with Paul, with him in the midst of the struggle to proclaim the good news. But there is nothing about Paul's sharing of the good news. There is nothing about the the Philippians' partnership with Paul in his sharing of the good news. There is nothing about the Philippians' own sharing of the good news in their own city that has been easy. Paul is on death row, falsely accused. Paul's a prisoner. He's chained to a guard or guards. He's financially responsible for coming up with his own room and board. He's awaiting trial, and if that trial doesn't go well, and we know that it doesn't, Paul is a dead man. These Philippians are, are, are financially helping Paul, but for them, it is a financial slog. They're living in a city where the movers and the shakers of that city have been hurt, have been hurt financially by Paul. The city officials have been humiliated by Paul. The message of this church that hope is only ever ultimately found in Christ. That message flies in the face of where the rest of the city is at in their worship of the Roman emperor and of local pagan deities. And so here in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, Paul is reassuring these Philippians that they can be confident that through all of their pain and all of their struggle, God is up to something in their lives, in their church, and that God will finish what he starts. And so the situation that we see here in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, is anything but awesome. But the point is, is that God is at work, 
even through the things that are tough, even through the challenges, that God is at work in our lives in all things, and that includes our struggles. And if we understand this well and we apply this to this idea of the power of sharing your story, that every part of your life, every episode in your life, and that includes the tough stuff, now you have literally hundreds and hundreds of stories to share. And so here's how it works. If we jump back to our flow, watch, listen, share. As someone that God has placed into your life, they're unpacking for you the bad news in their life that is desperately seeking the good news. Because you've been watching for opportunities, because you've been listening well for their brokenness, and they finally have given you permission to share, those many episodes in your life, the highs and the lows, the ups and the downs, the joys and the challenges, literally the roller coaster of your life, these all become an opportunity to share the good news of Christ. Maybe you're saying, Brian, I I still, I'm not buying it. My story is messy. My story is ugly. Yeah, it might be a mess. Yeah, it might be ugly. But you do have a story. It is a story of God's continuing work in your life. It is a story of how God is rescuing you right now. And maybe in that story, you have a lot of unanswered questions. Nobody is asking you to have it all figured out. But I would bet money that because of your pain, even though no one would ever sign up for that pain, but because of your pain, you are gaining a new perspective on what God is like. You are gaining a new perspective, learning new things about who God is and how he has moved, how he can move, how he is moving in your story. Things that you may not have ever seen if not for your pain. And so to be able to say to someone who is sharing their brokenness, hey, listen, I get it. I'm wrestling too. Let me tell you what God is showing me. When you're sharing in that kind of way, that's not just sharing an idea. That's not just sharing theory. That's not just sharing a dusty point of theology. That is sharing real life. And that is incredibly powerful. Tool number two. I'm going to take this from what Paul says again 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Paul writes, never stop praying. And so that tool is the power of praying with that person that God puts into your life. So in this context of sharing Jesus, actually praying with that person as they share their brokenness. So not saying, hey, I'll pray, I'll pray about that thing and then walking away because you're gonna forget to pray about that thing. Happens to me all the time. But what would happen if you were to stop and actually say, would you be cool if if we just pray about that thing, whatever they've just unpacked for you right here, right now? 
It's that simple. And so you say a prayer that is 20 seconds long. You don't close your eyes. You don't use any fancy church words. You just bring that thing to your Heavenly Father. And what you have done in that moment is you have crossed a line. You have gone from talking about God to actually talking with God. Here's how John Leonard explains it in the book, Get Real. He says, when you pray with a non-believer, you're inviting God into the conversation. You're no longer talking about God, but talking with God. What could be more powerful? Non-believers have a wrong view of prayer. They think that you have to be a special person, a priest, or a minister to pray. They don't know where to turn. They believe they can't pray because they're not good enough, and God doesn't listen to them, so why bother? They may not even know anyone they can ask to pray for them. When you listen more than you speak, you will have many concerns to pray for because people will share all kinds of issues. There are problems that don't seem to have a solution. It'll be a heartbreaking hurt. There will be questions of guidance. Each one of these is an opportunity to teach by modeling how you speak to God in prayer. When people share hard and difficult things with me, I pray. I identify with this next line. I'm just not smart enough to know what advice and guidance to give them. But I know who is, so I take them to my Lord. I want them to learn how to go directly to the Lord themselves. So even as you share Jesus with that person, and they've just unloaded something on you, and it is big, and it feels overwhelming, and you don't know what to say, by simply praying with that person for that that broken situation that's manifesting itself in their life, if you come back a week later, two weeks later, a month later, And I would encourage you to get back to them as soon as you can. And you simply say, hey, listen, we prayed for that thing. How is it going? Because you made time to pray with them a number of weeks ago, they are not going to blow you off. And so they may have seen an answer to prayer. They might have additional questions. Maybe as as that situation continues to develop, That opens up new areas of dialogue, but in your follow-up, each point of contact is yet another opportunity for you to share your Jesus. And so way more powerful than puppies, way more powerful than babies, is the power of your story, is the power of of praying with those people that God places into your life. Each of the weeks that I have been up here, I have tried to, in one way or another, to push us. I've tried to, in one way or another, to push you, to ask you, what are you going to do here? Will you share Jesus? And we've been working hard at this. We've come at a, across a couple of different weeks to make it crystal clear 
that as a believer, this sharing Jesus is your mandate. We've looked at how Jesus does it. Right off the top of my head, we were in Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 18, rolling into 19, John chapter 4. We're giving you tools to equip you, tools that I would guess might be different than what you've been exposed to before, but ultimately this flow of watch and listen and share comes back to you. Today has been all about giving you tools, the most powerful tools that I know when it comes to sharing Jesus. The power of your story and the power of praying with that person that God places into your life. Two of the most powerful tools that I know of, but yet super easy, super simple to employ. But the question becomes, will you? What will you do with these tools? Will you use them? Will you share Jesus? Let's pray. Father, you call us to share the hope that we have in you. And we want to be obedient to that. We recognize that we depend on you to advance the gospel. You call us to trust you. Because only you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, only you can change someone's life. Sharing Jesus ultimately isn't about our skill, but depends fully on your grace. The grace that you are continuing to pour into our lives, the grace that you are continuing to pour out on this church, the grace that you are pouring out on Mannheim and beyond. In a second here, we're going to sing the song, You Alone Can Rescue. Thank you that you allow us to take part in that great rescue mission. Really the greatest drama that has ever been known on this earth. Thank you that you allow us to take part. Move mightily. Move powerfully. Use us. We ask all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.